Fan Monarch and Grimtosh. Welcome to Corn on the Horn. I'm Kendall Hallman. So we just had the 2023 Star Wars CCG World Championship. What a wild ride. Going into the event, I knew I wanted this podcast to be about expectations versus reality. I set up a voicemail for people to share their expectations. I got a few responses, uh, probably because I didn't do a great job of making it clear what I was looking for. I also had planned on doing my regular three questions, but the weekend ended up being so busy and exhausting, in a good way, that I just did a few mini-interviews instead. This left me with a hodgepodge of clips and interviews, so hopefully they come together to form something listenable. Also, I want to apologize in advance if you're listening to this and don't have every card, deck, and abbreviation memorized. In the interest of brevity and the story, there are a few spots in my tournament report segments where I rattle off a bunch of these with minimal explanation. Hopefully you can still enjoy this story, even if you don't understand everything. Hey, yo, this is everybody's favorite uh, Star Wars CCG personality, uh, Dan Tartaglione, also known as the Tartag One. So we all know that world is this coming weekend as I'm calling in on the Sunday before Worlds. As for somebody who I think is going to be winning this, I, you can't uh, tell me now that with Justin Desai, he has to be the favorite to, to take home the title. He won it last year, so it's always a possibility for him. However, I, if I had to pick someone right now, I would be saying it's either going to be Johnny Chu or Hayes Hunter. Uh, Johnny, again, returning to the game last year, uh, he did not make the top eight, but he did win the consolation. Uh, he is what a lot of people just, uh, say is the greatest player of all time. Hayes is due. He's probably the most famous as well as the one of the best players to not win the world championship. So I think it is going to come down to a Hayes or Johnny Chu uh, possibility. As for another good prediction, I think Kendall will go at least 4-4. Four and four. Uh, I think Kendall has been due. He's been on a kind of a hot streak this year. He did well at uh, some of the live events. And uh, the other big surprise is I think Chris Kelly will make a top eight and Batmouth. But I'm here with Chris Schoenthal. Uh tournament advocate for the star Wars CCG and, uh, and, uh, uh, tournament director for world championship 2023. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. So, uh, just real quick, what, uh, what are your main responsibilities as a, as a tournament advocate? Uh, overall just, uh, Oh, as an advocate specifically, not just, yeah, specifically just, an advocate. Just just, or yeah. Uh, so basically, um, if the PC were at a for-profit uh, company, I would consider myself the head of organized play. Uh, mm-hmm. And what that generally entails is making sure that uh, the, the structures and the events held uh, both are rewarding for the players, uh, are fair, uh, and 
are well organized and planned. Um, And it's interesting because you kind of, as a gamer myself, obviously, um, I've played in a lot of organized play events from other companies and seen how Mm -hmm. various companies organize their their tournament systems and things like that. And it's always interesting to see how, uh, you know, in, in some ways we have, more advanced systems than some for-profit companies that are trying to use organized play to drive sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's something that I've, I've been a, a part of. Uh, I, I'm not going to toot my own horn too much on it, but, you know, uh, making sure that we thrive as a community, uh, a big part of that is holding events and getting together, uh, preferably in person. Obviously, we had the, the COVID uh, years where we did a lot of jump events, but... Uh, you know, keeping us uh, keeping us together as a community in a physical sense. Interesting, yeah. Um, so, um, what? Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess you probably don't want to like put put other companies on blast, but like, what are some what are some things that you think that that were that we're able to do better? Or what have you learned from uh, observing other? What specific things have you observed from participating in in other other games uh, organized play that, that you were able to apply to, to Star Wars cards to make it either to make it better or to use from learn from them? Uh, I would say that um, probably the biggest thing in that category is uh, in sports, there's an analogy that the referees are doing their job best when the participants and the fans don't know they're there. Mm-hmm. That that everything is running according to plan, according to schedule. Things are smooth. They're not the star of the show. Uh, the people are there to see the players, not the spect- not the not the referees. Uh, and so I consider myself kind of like that. And there's definitely uh, companies that I've seen that don't necessarily take that to heart. In that their events are not run smoothly. They're not run in a timely fashion. Um, and and just kind of uh, just amateurish almost. Uh, and so so my goal is always to run events in such a way that players mostly won't notice my presence, that things will keep going, progress to a to a reasonable finish at a reasonable time. And everybody has fun and uh, and the play is fair. OK, so uh how is it how is it the end up uh at, i mean you're the tournament advocate uh so i guess that you're probably one of the obvious choices for for running worlds but i mean are you running or is that is that something that's always been been the thing that the tournament advocate runs worlds or or is this something that you've that you that you personally you know make a point of doing it because i feel like I feel like you've won, you've run it most most years that I, that i've been involved yeah, I think I think it's important uh, that that the person at the head of the the organized play division be the one running the biggest, the most prestigious event. Um, I, I think that it for myself, I bring you know a lot of experience to the table, um, a lot of institutional knowledge. Um, but it's funny that you mention, you know, is it always the tournament advocate? Because actually, part of the reason that I got this job was uh, 2008 Worlds. Uh, I was not the tournament advocate, uh, but I was on the tournament committee, and um, 
the tournament advocate at the time wanted to play in the tournament. Uh, and so they had somebody there that was willing to do some of the legwork and the rule stuff, but didn't feel comfortable being the tournament, like the final say on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go to Worlds, but it was going to be a little financially tough for me. Um, but some of my friends were going, and so I volunteered to run it as a way of uh, basically getting my getting my travel comps for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ran 2008 Worlds at a gaming store in Minneapolis, uh, and that was uh, uh, my my career, if you will, just kind of jumped off from there. Uh, so I don't I don't think I've run every Worlds since I know 2017, I believe there was is one that I could not make it to for some reason. And I believe Hayes Hunter ran that one in my place. Uh, I didn't, I haven't been to either of the Euro worlds and I haven't, and I didn't go to the Canadian worlds, but I think every other worlds except those four I have run. Okay. Um, so what, uh, so, so as far as, so what, what is involved in running an event? Like, well, first, well, first of all, actually, let's th- we're talking about worlds. We're not just talking about any event. We're not even just talking about any major. What it? What do you think? It, what is different about worlds from from running an event, even something like like nationals, uh, or or like uh, you know like the Endor Grand Prix or whatever? Another another major. What 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 makes worlds different? I think first of all, the scale. It's almost always the largest most well attended event of the year um and often is around double one of those other majors that you mentioned i think we have 59 signed up right now mm-hmm. and san diego was 25 so like a little more than double that uh nationals i think was in the 30 range so mm-hmm. not quite double that um i think obviously like i said the the biggest stage making sure that you're always on your a game as an organizer, making sure that the players are comfortable, making sure the venue is set up properly, um, making sure that you have support. Um, and that's that's another thing that I think for Worlds is uh, kind of unique, is that to me it's especially important to have additional volunteers uh, who are there and willing to support you. Uh, whether it's going to the hotel front desk and asking for the water to be refilled or having uh, Greg there as an expert on uh, the rules, mm-hmm. uh, just making sure that the, there's an, enough staff to where, um, you know, for something like Endor, I can mostly do it as a one-man show uh, with some assistance from uh, maybe one other person and or maybe somebody's splitting between helping me and doing commentary. Uh, but for Worlds, I think it's very important that we have a decent staff of three or four on hand uh, to be able to really make sure that everybody has a good experience. Hi, I'm Matt Thornton. I'm here with Taco Bell. Uh, Garrett Larson and Ryan Jellison, and I'm going to ask all of them their uh, predictions for Worlds this year. Uh, well, I'll ask myself first. My prediction is that there's going to be a lot of uh, Tom-style decks being played. Taco Bell, what do you got to say? 
I've got two clones decks in the top eight. Garrett Larson, dead body. What do you got to say? I'm going to go the opposite, Bill. I'm going to say no clones decks makes the top eight. All right. And Ryan Sack Numbers, Jellison, what do you got to say? Uh, there will be one ISB in the top eight. All right. There we go, Kendall. You got three, you got four predictions here. Good luck, everybody. Have fun. No reverse. People have legitimate reasons that they can't travel across the country to play Star Wars cards. And I, you know, uh, personal commitments, family, financial, whatever. Um, but one thing that, that I, that I struggle, that I struggle a little bit with what to say, what to say to somebody is, is if I say, you know, why, why aren't you, why aren't you going to worlds? And they say, well, you know, because I'll, I, I don't, because I don't stand a chance at, at winning. I'm if I if I go there, I'll I'll probably lose most of my games. Um, what 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 would you say to somebody like that 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 their their fear that they're not going to be successful in the in the event itself uh, is preventing them from coming? And and what and and what have you done as what do you do as a as a, as an organizer for events like this to to uh, to you know make sure those people are having a good time. So I think a lot of that comes down to just the kind of esprit de corps that our community has and and how tight knit we are and how welcoming we are uh, to new people. Um, so I would say to those people, you know, it's very possible that you won't do well in the event. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that, you know, you might go on a miracle run or whatever. Like our game is very low variance compared to other games. And the top players often come out on top. But I would also say that playing against those top players in the top event of the year each year is a unique experience that you should always strive to get a chance for. Um, I think people have their A games, people have their new decks, there's, um, there's just something special about the environment there. Uh, but then after the tournament itself, you know, there's still so much that goes on, especially at Worlds, because we have that extra day. Um, there's cube events, there's, you know, board games, there's all the things that people, that are the externalities to the Star Wars cards, but that are the real reasons that a lot of us are still around and still hanging out. And I would say that experiencing that is very special. Um, and doing so at Worlds for the first time is is another level above that. Um, I know we had a new player at Nationals uh, who is from uh, Florida, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he came and didn't really necessarily plan to play in the main event, but it was there for the retro event. But then we we talked to him about playing in the main event. and, um, And he jumped in and he had a great time and had a good performance. And I'm hoping that uh, that he comes to Worlds and that he comes to future majors. And, and, you know, that's how we sustain and grow the community is by by treating each other like close friends that have known each other for years, even if even if you're brand new. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with all that. Meeting people. I, I think we have such a robust online community that just going to these events and, you know, meeting the online the online characters in person is is uh, is, is a lot of, is a lot of fun. But uh yeah, I, I agree, with, agree with everything you said there. Yeah, and, I think that's uh, an you just you don't point, not to not to cut you mm-hmm. off, but I think that's an yeah. important point too. Is that like people, you know, 
people have personas online and people aren't necessarily the people you think they are all the time. Uh, but in person, you know, there's nobody in the Star Wars community that I wouldn't be happy to to share a beer with, uh, regardless of how vehemently I might disagree with their online opinions or <laughs> or think that they they have some silly thoughts or whatever. Um, you know, when we're all in a room together and we're all hanging out and playing board games or whatever, you know, we're all not to not to borrow from Olive Garden too much, but we're all family in a way. <laughs> and and I'll also echo the 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 being able to play against the top players. I mean, you can play against the top players on GEMP, which is you know that's a that's a unique thing about Star Wars CCG. But like like if you play Magic, even if you go to a giant Magic event, the chances that you'll be paired up against some one of the greatest magic players of all time pretty low um but like in yeah in 20 2021 round one game one i was paired against joe olson uh, <laughs> you know no, who, no was, who was at the, t- the the current the current champion uh the current world champion at that time and, and it was it was it was interesting uh be just because i mean it was unfortunate that i wasn't a little more prepared for that game because he you know wiped me out a little bit more quickly, but he, he, uh, even that was just like, uh, you know, an interesting, like kind of check that off the bucket list, play against a world champion, you know? Um, so, uh, one of the, one of the kind of themes that I'm trying to get to with this podcast special is, you know, sort of, is sort of talking about expectations and predictions. Uh, what, what are your, what are your ex, what expectations and what predictions do you have for worlds and to, you know, sort of, in any any direct take that in any direction you want sure uh that's an interesting one i expectations wise uh i expect that it's going to be a weekend full of friendly rivalry competition uh fun fellowship uh i'm really alliterating here that is not on purpose (laughs) um but uh it's just something that that's really, you know, it's it's a highlight of the calendar. It's something I always look forward to. That, you know, crowning a new world championship is such a such a unique experience. And and you know, once a year, obviously, is for twenty some odd years now is is quite a run. Um, and and it's something that people still care about. Something that people still want to achieve. Um, so I think that is very special. I think there's uh, people that you know I've gotten close, and I would love to see one of them break through and uh and take it down um any uh are there any any challenges that you that you anticipate uh not really uh i haven't been to morristown myself so i don't know what the environment's like i don't know what the hotel's like but uh from all the reports you know we've been there once before and everybody seemed to enjoy it seemed to think there was plenty of uh food within walking distance things like that it didn't seem like that was going to be an issue um so i think I, I don't think there's a lot in the way of challenges necessarily okay um let's see so you didn't want to you didn't want to talk about you don't want to make predictions about players you don't want to make predictions about decks uh <laughs> so, sorry I'm trying to think of, to kill a bunch of your questions. <laughs> no, no, no 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 i i i wasn't i wasn't gonna that's some if we go too much into that stuff, it goes, it gets into the weeds and, and not interesting. I'm just trying to think of, of, uh, if there's anything else that I could get you to, I want you to make a bold statement about something, 
but I'm trying to trying to think uh, trying to think if I have any bold statement. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, bold statement. Whew. Uh, I okay. Here here's a bold statement. Okay. Um, I will say that a deck, a we'll say a dark side deck. We'll go dark because they're the dark horses. Okay. Um, say a dark side deck that is. Uh, either a one-off or we'll say less, we'll set the field at less than three players playing the deck, uh, makes top eight. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's something. I appreciate you. I appreciate yeah, you giving, like, giving it I an like effort a good, there. A good rogue deck. That's what I'm yeah, looking yeah, for. Yeah. Yeah. Some cool, people aren't cool. expecting out of left field. Um, so without saying any specific players, do you think that we'll have, uh, some some first time top eighters, or or do you think it's going to be more of more of uh, the the re- you know the the regulars uh, making it to the top eight? I will say three first time top eighters. Okay, cool. Yeah, we had we had a bunch of we had, or we had several first time top eighters at nationals, so yeah, that would make sense. All right, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think we covered what what uh, what I'm looking for. Hopefully, I'll I'll edit this down into something listenable. And uh, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you doing this for me. Mr. Corin Kendall Holman, this is Matt CRG Lutz calling to leave my post worlds prediction that uh, I had hoped to go two and two with Hyperdrive and met that and was sorely disappointed and regretted my choice of the hybrid Shadow Collective list that I thought was all super fun and ended up being too cute and clunky. Um, As far as what else that I thought I'd see, thought I would see a lot of uh, mains and obi-muning and quinuning and thought I would see lots of walkers and maybe some SSA Tom style decks, which turned out to be true, and a whole pile of hunt down, which of course was played by two of the top eight players, Mr. Batmouse and Mr. Casey Anis. Um, Anis. In any event, look forward to seeing you uh, at the next major next one I'll probably be at will be the April of 24 solar eclipse in Indianapolis. Take care, friend. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you like what you hear, you can support the show by joining up at patreon.com forward slash Kendallcast, just $2 a month or making a direct donation through the PayPal link at kendallcast.ninja. Every little bit helps. I don't have too many expenses, but patrons did help offset the cost of my world's trip and uh, paid for the microphone adapter that Matt Thornton used to record his interviews at Nationals. Uh, Special thanks to Jared, Blake, Joe, Ben, Zach, Gary, and Bill for the support as well as all those who have made PayPal donations over the years. This next bit of the podcast gets a little non-linear. Normally, I edit in my three questions segment amid my tournament report. But in this case, instead of asking three evergreens 
questions, my mini interviews were mostly about people's experience after the tournament. I think it works as a piece, but just wanted to warn you so you're not confused when I jump from talking about event preparations to interviewing someone after the event. Even after a decade of podcasting, I'm still learning how to put these more complicated episodes together, and I'll definitely be taking this irregularity into consideration for future shows. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks for listening. My preparations for the event really started in July. After set 21 came out, I wanted to be sure that the court helpers from that set weren't enough to make the deck viable. And I was intrigued by Tom Struthers' Profit Spaceport Speeders build. I spent my July OCS games getting these two decks out of my system. And by the time boot camp came around in mid-July, I had more or less settled on going back to bring them before me and there's good in him. Just a note about Tom. After he kicked my butt with his Profit Spaceport Speeders deck, I reached out to him and he immediately sent me his list and answered a number of questions about it. Not everyone would do this, especially with a new list that wasn't publicly available. Uh, Tom's a good guy. Boot camp, open to anyone who wanted to join, was held at my late grandparents' house in Ashtabula, Ohio. It was one of those experiences where everything came together. Hopefully we can recreate it in the future, but even if we can't, it was sort of a dream come true. I love the house. It's on a beautiful remote property that backs up to the Ashtabula River. We had a total of seven players grinding games, and in spite of the rain, we were able to sit around a bonfire in the evening. Not to mention, one of our boot campers would go on to be the runner-up at this year's Worlds. Awesome job, Casey. I'm really glad that I got those decks out of my system, but using the OCS games to get decks out of my system left a limited time to get in shape with my chosen decks of bringing before me and there's good in him. Lucky for me, for the first time in my life, I have a nearly weekly game. You've probably seen pictures of Travis Morris's basement if you're on the Facebook group or Slack. Besides Travis, John Vesey recently came back into the country and needed to get some games in. So between that and the Road to Worlds event on Gemp, I was, I guess, as, as prepared as I've ever been at Worlds. Fast forward to the Wednesday before the trip. I'd taken the day off work to get ready, but I was still way behind. I finished editing the last Deck Tech video that I'd planned to edit the previous weekend that morning. Please note that while some of the videos were sent to me after the planned deadline, at this point the delay was entirely my fault. Too much procrastination the weekend before. Next was my retro event decks. The decks just needed to be sleeved and I needed to find about five cards per side. Got that done. It was about lunchtime, so I went out for pizza at Giordano's and figured I could take a little time to myself. I had all afternoon to finish packing and then I'd spend my evening hanging out with my wife since I wouldn't see her again until I got back from the trip. Then I got a text from my dad asking to call him as soon as possible. My mom had twisted her ankle at work and needed me to pick up her car about an hour away. She was and is fine, but it ended up uh, eating up a huge chunk of time. I ended up getting home around 7.30. The rest of the night involved running around, getting V-slips printed at Staples, 
grabbing a bite and frantically hoping that I didn't forget anything important. The next morning, Travis picked me up at 7 and drove to his parents' house, where we met Chad Lawrence, Ash Nolo, on all Star Wars CCG socials. He lives a few hours away, and it made sense for us to meet in the middle. I'm burying the lead here, though. Travis's parents have three horses and a donkey. And I got to pet one of the horses. So I got on the road, and aside from some very aggressive driving from Travis in the rain as we passed six overturned semi-trucks, the trip was mostly uneventful. There was a weird conversation where Travis and Chad tried to out-redneck each other. Chad would say, Sometimes we need to go to the laundromat because our well water would be bad. And Travis would say, We didn't even have indoor plumbing. We had to use an outhouse. Anyway, we got there and it was raining. I'd wanted to go to Rutt's Hut, a world-famous hot dog place about 30 miles away, but between the rain, the traffic, and the fact that we'd been on the road all day, it just wasn't in the cards. Instead, I searched for nearby hot dog places. Two places came up, Sophie's Hot Dog Stand and The Committed Pig. Both were a third of a mile away. I followed the GPS and Sophie's Hot Dog Stand wasn't there. Probably because it was a hot dog stand and it was raining and it had closed an hour earlier. The Committed Pig didn't have hot dogs. So I wandered back to the hotel got some perfectly acceptable lo mein from the Taiwanese place across the street, and got a pint of Johnny Walker Red Label since the liquor store didn't have Crown Royal. I don't play poker, but I hung around drinking my Red Label and then my Kessling's Four Roses. I made a joke about Mark Walseth and Scott Lingrell being the elder statesmen of the game winning their tables. I told Kessling to use Audacity and Levelator for his podcast editing, and I may have gotten a little excited because I had had a pint of liquor, and I love talking about podcast editing with people. Hayes Hunter, eventual winner of the event, was talking to Travis, and I jumped in. He tried to convince me to float a second Twix in my There is Good in Him deck with a tunnel vision to boot. He also planted the seed for the changes I'd make for the Constellation. After I spoke with Hayes, Joel Olson wanted someone to walk to 7-Eleven with. I tagged along and realized I'm really out of shape. I was able to keep up, but just barely. In the meantime, he confirmed that a second Twix in there is good in him was a bad idea. I went up to my room and theory crafted with Chad for a bit before going to bed. All right, I am here with uh, with top eight Star Wars guard player in the world, Mr. Anthony Howard. Uh, just uh, recently uh, eliminated by some guy nobody's heard of. Uh, but uh, how do you, how do you feel? Uh, I'm feeling good. I uh, I mean, I'm emotionally I'm great because I love all the other guys that were in the top eight, and I love uh, Brian Fred. Um, you know, card wise, I'm like, oh, so close. But it's okay. For I've only been playing this game for 14 years. You know, there are a bunch of people who've been playing longer, and to make a top eight at Worlds is kind of nice. 
so I wanted to, I, I, the, my kind of focus on this, on this uh, podcast right now is, is about expectations versus performance. Uh, what, what did you expect to happen this weekend going in? And then, and then uh, how, did, how, how did the uh, results uh, differ from that? Um, I expected to continue to be blown out by, uh, by airports and planes all weekend. Um, I didn't get here until 7 a.m. Saturday morning, uh, which with the tournament that starts at 10 a.m. is probably not a good thing when you're flying in all night. Um, so expecting to be blown out and not even get to play, to be able to make it to the top eight is a masterstroke of like luck. What's 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 next for you? Um, hopefully, moving up from the top eight finish at Worlds, and uh, I don't know, another top eight next year would be great. But I think what's next for me is to find a couple of drinks to uh, to assuage my my day. All right, thanks thanks a lot. You have a great day. Thanks. All right, I'm with uh, Taco Bill Kafer. Okay, so what I'm asking about is expectations. So what were your expectations for this weekend? And, uh, and what was, uh, how did that compare with your experience? I had absolutely zero expectation coming into this weekend. So a lot of my focus was on uh, uh, the, the PC and Chris Schoenthal let me know that I was gonna induct Greg into the Hall of Fame. So a lot of my focus was on making sure I didn't mess that up, uh, getting his parents here so they could be here enjoying the moment, right? Um, I played one game of Star Wars cards this week before the main event and said, you know what, we'll see what happens. And, and, how, did that com and how did that compare with your, or I guess, how did, how did that compare with your experience? Uh, I actually did way better than I thought I was going to do. I ended up 6-2. and two. I had a play-in game that I ended up with a teammate and ended up just scooping. But it's the first time I ever finished 6-2 and two at a Worlds. Um, it's, it would have been, you know, the second time I made it into a top eight, but... But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Thank you. In the morning, I decided to try the Committed Pig, since half their menu was breakfast food. I figured they'd probably be open early. I approached, and while I didn't see anyone around, the door was propped open, so I walked in. A waitress asked if she could help me, and I said, one for here. She said, we're not open yet. Apparently this place, where 25% of their menu was pancakes, and another 25% was omelets, didn't open until 10. So I walked over to Jersey Boys Bagels. I was immediately greeted by several friendly faces, but the counter was long and confusing. I ordered a breakfast sandwich and they kept asking me if I needed anything else. I kept saying no until I noticed the guy asking me was standing behind a cash register. So I paid for my food. After finishing my breakfast, I went back to the hotel and got ready for the retro event. I think it was at this time I pitched for the new player Ryan to play in the main event. Ed Sheehan had brought him, having only played a few games. We ended up talking him into playing the cube, which he'd planned to play in, but also the team event and the consolation. I got checked in for the retro event and knew I had a long day ahead of me. I brought snacks and deli meat for disappointing sandwiches but I figured I had just enough time to give Sophie's hot dog stand another try. This time she was there, a little cart run by a little old lady. She plated my hot dogs and I tried to hand her a card. She told me she was cash only, but I could pay her next time. I did pay her next time. I ended up going back about three more times that weekend.
Finally, it was time for the retro event. My decks were Hunt Down, based on Justin Desai's 2021 Gemp Retro Event deck, and Hidden Base Numbers, based on Matt Sokol's World Championship 2000 deck. The nice thing about Sokol's deck is you can swap out the second copy of the Hidden Base for Luke, now that we don't need a Hidden Base Indicator to be in the 60. First round of the event, I played against an ISB deck with my Hidden Base. He couldn't do much having minimal space and did not have You Cannot Hide Forever, so I ended up winning, including getting a massive 10 force loss from Never Tell Me the Odds. Achievement unlocked. The rest of the event didn't go so well. Round two versus Garrett Larson. I forgot that Docking Bay Transit existed and had Vader's lightsaber get stolen twice. Round three versus Ryan Jellison. He had the You Cannot Hide Forever and just dominated the board. I don't even remember what platform he was playing. Round four was versus Joe, the same guy that I played round one. This time uh, he was playing Throne Room. I didn't play perfectly. Invader's lightsaber got stolen again, but mostly he got Honor of the Jedi set up early, so I was losing to my own ping all game, and he was not. I also top-decked three Vaders after losing an early battle and opting to try to keep Emperor Palpatine on table. After a quick run to the ATM, I returned to the hot dog stand, settled up my debts, and bought two more hot dogs. This time with some sauerkraut on top. Got to get those fruits and vegetables in on these trips. Then it was time for the team event. Travis and I formed the basement crew, while V's and Chad formed Team Ohio 2. Rounding out Ohio players, we convinced Carl Koenig to join up with Ian, a local personality that most only knew from the Facebook group. Of course, the basement crew had driven eight hours and ended up playing Team Ohio 2 in the first round. Uh, I was playing my Hidden Base Defense Fighters deck just for fun. I lost to V's Water deck, Large Porg's TTO, and got a win in against Ian in round three. He was clearly flustered as his wife called in the middle of the game, wondering why he wasn't home. So going into the main event, I was 1-3 and three and 1-2 and two in the side events. I wasn't too concerned since it was a retro event and an event where I was intentionally playing a subpar deck. My mistake. One takeaway from this weekend is that I shouldn't ever play a bad deck at a major, even in a side event. Winning isn't everything for me, but losses definitely add up. The morning of the main event, Chad made me a cup of coffee because he's that kind of dude. I had some oatmeal and made a disappointing sandwich to snack on throughout the day. I won round one versus Sean Miller's Let the Wookie Win Endor deck. Then I lost five games in a row versus Matt Scott's ISB, Mike Pistone's AOBS, Charlie Arlinson's Zero Hour, AJ Hatoum's Hitco, and Jan Westergaard's TTO. Only the game versus AJ was particularly close though my loss to Pistone was at least a fast loss, so we were able to walk to the hot dog stand for lunch. My one other win for the day was against Travis, who was struggling just as much as me, but had gotten a great win versus David Woods a round or two earlier. This was where I went just a little bit into crisis mode. I'd gone one and three, one and two, and now two and five. If I could at least pull off a 3-5 and five record in the main event, it would be okay. 
and then I played in the last game versus Tom Sarachan. Tom was one of the people I was most excited to meet in person. We worked together on deck tech videos and interacted extensively online. He's lost tome on the, on the Star Wars CCG socials. In spite of his record, he was in great spirits, and we had what should have been a very fun game. I told him at the beginning that I really wanted to win this last game. I think he maybe got the sense that I was that I was being a little bit sarcastic, but I was not. I was I was fully I was fully like ready to be full on full on no reverts. He was playing Anakin Saga and we had a pretty good mains versus mains match. I overdeployed in space and couldn't get a steady drain there even because my characters weren't surviving on the ground. I'm sure that I should have waited a turn to reinforce or something similar, but we just kept fighting and he just kept drawing fives and sixes and I just didn't. So I was two and six going into the constellation. I felt bad because I was supposed to meet up with Ryan to talk him through playing my court deck the next day in the constellation. Um, but I sort of, uh, left the room quickly. Uh, I ordered pizza for the Ohio crew. My wife even asked me if I was okay in her serious voice when I uh, talked to her on the phone. All right, I'm here with I'm here with uh, with the large pork himself, the large. Uh, oh my gosh, how do you say your last name? Santo Swa- Santa Okay, I'm here with Tommy Santa Suasso, the large porg himself. I'm just um, basically, what were your expectations for this weekend, and uh, and how did your experience compare to those expectations? Sure, my expectations coming in largely it. I had large expectations of myself to do well, to be better, and that's what I've been training for all year. I've been trying to get better, learn the cards, um, meet the people, um, learn from everyone I meet. I feel like um, I feel like I took a couple of uh, bad steps in the preparation process. I pivoted away from uh, a deck that I I thought would be good to try something else. So I wasted I waste eh, it wasn't a waste, but I. I spent a lot of time doing, having reps with another deck that I didn't end up playing at the end. So there was a flip-flop. But uh, honestly, the weekend was great. I, I learned so much. And I look forward to coming in strong for Euros. Who's coming with me? Thanks. All right, I'm here with Ryan, a uh, brand-new player. Uh, Ryan, uh, how, what were your expectations going into this interview? Or, oh, my gosh. I drank alcohol. What were your expectations going into this weekend, and how did how did your experience compare to those expectations? Well, I would say my expectations going in were that I was going to uh, play a few games in the draft format, meet a few nice people, maybe check out some games, maybe cheer on my friends. And in practice, I found that all that happened. But I also got talked into playing a bunch of other games by said very friendly people, and frankly had a great time doing so. Um, a total... I think I played every format except the competitives. I played the Constellation, played the team dra- or the team format, and also the draft. And I actually won three out of 13 games, which um, made me feel very, very happy. Um, 
So to anybody who is interested in getting into this game, I would say it's quite accessible, and the people are very friendly. And you might as well, because you won't regret it. Uh, but I have fun. Yeah. Thank you. The front desk recommended a place that was way too fancy and didn't make it clear their size of their pizzas. So I found a place on DoorDash. It was fine, nothing too special, but there was a lot of it. And Carl was very generous, paying for a good chunk of it. Earlier in the day, I was thinking about there is good in him and how it sort of naturally shield busts your opponent. They almost always pull something to stop Luke's turn one force drain. And they get the grabber and sometimes a sense shield while they're in there. So what if I played Grimtosh? What if I played Revolution and Gunite? I haven't seen many shield pullers lately, and it would only be a handful of card slots. Digging out Revolution and a few other cards occupied me the rest of the night. I had to borrow a Gunite, which was tricky because I had to be careful of who I asked it from. V's, if you're listening, I'll give it back the next time I see you. And I wandered around drinking a little bit of uh, Chad's Peach Jim Beam and a little bit of Taco Bill's Johnny Walker Blue Label. Um, I would recommend the blue label over the peach Jim beam. The constellation event started out pretty strong. I won against Mark Walseth's Dooku revenge of the Sith deck. He was clearly tired and we had a miscommunication in the first turn about how my objective worked. He played out a few turns and conceded. I know he wasn't at his best, but this was my first win against Mark in all the times we played. Usually at a point in the event where he's tired and checked out. But he still always finds a way to beat me. Um, just speaks to the, the caliber of player that he is. Next up was young Apollo Chu's Zero Hour. Also pretty tired and, and conceded after a beatdown. So I was feeling a little better at 2-0. I had no delusions of going all the way, but told myself I just needed one more win. Then I lost three games in a row. To Sam Wilson's Hitco, Scott Grell's Musicians, and Ed Sheehan's Thoughts Dwell on Your Mother BB-8 deck. Um, just some some wild choices. Um, didn't didn't feel like I played my best against uh, against Scott's musicians. Um, and then and then Ed's Ed's deck just seemed like it was firing off on all cylinders. Um, I don't remember the Hitco game very well. My last game was against AJ. This time, he was playing Shadow Collective. He seemed to go on tilt when I drew Gunite for Destiny early in the game and only pulled a Sense Shield and Battle Order. He was a little bit force-choked for most of the game, but I made things worse by deploying both Gunite and Revolution. He did not pull his fourth shield for fear of what other shielded cards I might be playing. It was a close game, but I had a lot of fun and won ending up at three and three. I swear I was one game away from becoming a full-time PC volunteer. That night, I finally got to go to the committed pig. I had pork roll, which is a local New Jersey dish with vibes of ham, bacon, and hot dog. Difficult to describe, but very good. It was served on a sandwich of French toast, bacon, egg, and cheese the least disappointing sandwich of the weekend. On the way home, we stopped at Rutt's Hut to get some deep-fried Ripper hot dogs. No joke, I've wanted to try Rutt's Hut since I was 12 years old, and it was truly amazing. 
Unfortunately, I was hungover and my bladder wasn't cooperative on the trip home, so I didn't feel great for most of the day, but we made it. What an epic weekend. So expectations versus reality. I'd hoped to go four and four. That obviously didn't happen, but if I break down my games from the main event, I did get two wins. I've never beaten Matt Scott or Charlie Arlinson. Mike Pistone got a first strike beat down on me in a deck that doesn't usually play first strike. I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes in these games, but they were reasonable losses that don't make me a bad player. Jan was playing TTO versus my reactive mains deck that has minimal damage output and has a limited space package. This is such a one-sided matchup that I took relatively unprotected out of the deck prior to the event, knowing it wouldn't make a difference. The games versus AJ and Tom were heartbreakers, but you win some, you lose some. I've beaten Tom on Gemp from time to time, and I beat AJ the next day, so we're definitely close in skill level. I'm not trying to make excuses, but if my goal was 4-4 four and four and I had four games that were essentially auto-losses, 2-6 and six isn't quite as bad as it sounds. I didn't talk much about bringing the projector to play Switch, watch the top eight, and put up a slideshow, but... That bit didn't really pan out, as apparently my projector isn't strong enough to use without all the lights turned off. No big deal. If nothing else, I ate well this weekend. May seem silly, but Rut's Hut really was a bucket list item for me. And I'm really grateful that Travis was willing to drive 30 minutes out of the way for it. Oh, and I guess Hayes won. Good for him. So that's, that's Worlds for you. Just want to thank everyone involved in this episode, everyone who left voicemails, everyone who let me interview you, uh, Matt Thornton, uh, for, for uh, being, being real helpful in some behind-the-scenes stuff, patrons, Travis for driving, Chad for sharing a room with me, all the volunteers at the event, Scott Lingrell for everything he does, uh, you know, all that stuff. Until next time. Good luck, everybody. Have fun. No reverse. This podcast is a production of the KendallCast Podcast Network. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash KendallCast or make a direct donation through the PayPal link at KendallCast.ninja. Thanks for listening.